Chapter Five of Our Mr. Wren: The Romantic Adventures of a Gentleman by Sinclair Lewis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Our Mr. Wren by Sinclair Lewis, Chapter Five. HE FINDS MUCH QUAINT ENGLISH FLAVOR. BIG WHARVES, ALL RIGHT. ENGLAND SURE IS QUEEN OF THE SEA, HUH? BUSY TOWN, LIVERPOOL. BUT SAY, THERE IS A QUAINT ENGLISH FLAVOR TO THESE SHOPS. LOOK AT THAT. RED LION INN. OVERHEAD TRAMS, THEY CALL THE ELEVATED. REAL FLAVOR, ALL RIGHT. ENGLISH AS CAN BE. I SURE LIKE TO WANDER AROUND THESE LITTLE SHOPS street crowd that's where you get the real quaint flavor thus morton to the glowing mr wren as they turned into st george square noting the lipton's tea establishment sir thomas lipton wasn't he a friend of the king anyway he was some kind of a lord and he owned big society racing yachts in the grandiose square mr wren prayerfully remarked gee greek temple fine agreed morton that's st george's hall where they have big organ concerts explained mr wren and there's the art gallery across the square and here's the lime street station he had studied his bedecker as club women study the cyclopedia let's go over and look at the trains funny little boxes ain't they wren them cars quaint things what is it they call em carriages first second third class just like in books booking office that's tickets funny eh mr wren insisted on paying for both their high teas at the cheap restaurant timidly but earnestly morton was troubled as they sat on a park bench smoking those most anglican cigarettes dainty bits mr wren begged what's the matter old man oh nothing just thinking morton smiled artificially he added presently well old bill got to make the break can't go on living on you this way ah thunder you ain't living on me besides i want you to honestly i do we can have a whole lot better time together morty yes but nope i can't do it nice of you can't do it though got to go on my own like the fellow says ah oh, come on look here it's my money ain't it i got a right to spend it the way i want to haven't i ah oh, come on We'll bum along together, and then when the money is gone, we'll get some kind of job together. Honest, I want you to. Hanka, don't believe you'd care for the kind of knockabout jobs I'll have to get. Sure I would. Ah, oh, come on, Morty, I... You're too level-headed to like to bum around with a fool hobo. You'd damn soon get tired of it. What if I did? Morty, look here. I've been learning something on this trip. I've always wanted to just do one thing, see foreign places. Well, I want to do that just as much as ever, but there's something that's a whole lot more important. Somehow I ain't ever had many friends. Some ways you're about the best friend I've ever had. You ain't neither too highbrow nor too lowbrow. And this friendship business, it means such an awful lot. It's like what I was reading about, something by Albert Hubbard or thunder i can't remember his name but anyway it's one of those poet guys that writes for the back page of the journal something about a joyous adventure 
That's what being friends is. Of course, you understand I wouldn't want to say this to most people, but you'll understand how I mean. It's this friendship business is just like those old crusaders, you know. They'd start out on a fine morning, you know, armor shining, all that stuff. It wouldn't make any diff what they met as long as they was fighting together. Rainy nights with folks sneaking through the rain to get at em and all sorts of things. Ready for anything, long as they just stuck together. That's the way this friendship business is, I believe. Just like it said in the journal. Yump, sure is. Gee, it's chance to tell folks what you think and really get some fun out of seeing places together. And I ain't never done it much. Of course, I don't mean to say I've been living off on any blooming desert island all my life, but just the same, I've always been kind of alone, not knowing many folks. You know how it is in a New York rooming house. So now, ah, oh, don't slip up on me, Morty. Honestly, I don't care what kind of work we do as long as we can stick together. I don't care a hang if we don't get anything better to do than scrub floors. Morton patted his arm and did not answer for a while. Then, yeah, I know how you mean, and it's good of you to like beating it around with me. But you sure got the exaggerated idea of me, and you'd get sick of the holes I'm likely to land in. There was a certain pride which seemed dreadfully to shut Mr. Wren out, as Morton added, Why, man, I'm going to do all of Europe, from the Turkish jails to, oh, St. Petersburg. You made good on the Marion, all right, but you do like things shipshape. Oh, I'd... We might stay friends if we busted up now and met in New York again, but not if you get into all sorts of bum places w Why, look here, Morty, with me. However, I'll think it over. Let's not talk about it till tomorrow. Oh, please do think it over, Morty, old man, won't you? And tonight you'll let me take you to a music hall, won't you? Uh, yes, Morton hesitated. A music hall, not mere vaudeville. Mr. Wren could hardly keep his feet on the pavement as they scampered to it and got nine-penny seats. He would have thought it absurd to pay eighteen cents for a ticket, but pence. They were out at nine-thirty. Happily tired, Mr. Wren suggested that they go to a temperance hotel at his expense, for he had read in Bedecker that temperance hotels were respectable, also cheap. No, no, frowned Morton. Tell you what you do, Bill. You go to a hotel, and I'll beat it down to a lodging-house on Duke Street. Juke Street. Remember how I ran into Pete on the street? He told me you could get a cot down there for fourpence. Ah, oh, come on to a hotel. Please do. It'd just hurt me to think of you sleeping in one of them holes. I wouldn't sleep a bit if— Say, for the love of Mike, Wren, get wise. Get wise, son. I'm not going to sponge on you, and that's all there is to it. Bill Wren strode into their company for a minute, and quoth the terrible Bill. Well, you don't need to get so sore about it. I don't go around asking folks can I give em a meal ticket all the time. Let me tell you, and when I do— Oh, rats! Say, I didn't mean to get huffy, Morty, but doggone you, old man, you can't shake me this easy. I say, old top, I'm peeved, yes, sir. We'll go Dutch to a lodging-house, or even walk the streets. All right, sir, all right. I'll take you up on that. We'll sleep in an areaway some place. They walked to the outskirts of Liverpool, questing the desirable dark alley. Awed by the solid quietude and semi-grandeur of the large private estates, through narrow streets where dim trees leaned over high walls whose long silent stretches were broken only by mysterious little doors, they tramped bashfully, inspecting but always rejecting nooks by lodge gates. 
they came to a stone church with a porch easily reached from the street a large and airy stone porch just suited morton declared to a couple of hoboes like us if a bobby butts in why we'll just slide under them seats then the bobby can go soak his head mr wren had never so far defied society as to steal a place for sleeping he felt very uneasy like a man left naked on the street by robbers as he rolled up his coat for a pillow and removed his shoes in a place that was perfectly open to the street the paved floor was cold to his bare feet and as he tried to go to sleep it kept getting colder and colder to his back reaching out his hand he fretfully rubbed the cracks between stones he scowled up at the ceiling of the porch he couldn't bear to look out through the door for it framed the vicar's house with lamplight bodying forth latticed windows suggesting soft beds and laughter and comfortable books all the while his chilled back was aching in new places he sprang up put on his shoes and paced the churchyard it seemed a great waste of educational advantages not to study the tower of this foreign church but he thought much more about his aching shoulder blades morton came from the porch stiff but grinning didn't like it much eh bill afraid you wouldn't must say i didn't either though well come on let's beat it around and see if we can't find a better place in a vacant lot they discovered a pile of hay mr wren hardly winced at the hearty slap morton gave his back and he pronounced some waldorf astoria that stack as they sneaked into the lot they had laid loving hands upon the hay remarking well i guess when they heard from a low stable at the very back of the lot i say you chaps what are you doing there a reflective carter who had been twisting two straws ambled out of a shadow of the stable and prepared to do battle say old man can't we sleep in your hay just to-night argued morton we're americans came over on a cattle-boat we ain't got only enough money to last us for food while mr wren begged ah oh, please let us oh you're americans are you you seem decent enough i've got a brother in the states he used to own this stable with me in st cloud minnesota he is you know minnesota's some kind of a shire either of you chaps been in minnesota sure lied morton i've hunted bear there oh i say bear now my brother's never written oh that was way up in the northern part in the big woods i've had some narrow escapes then morton who had never been west of pittsburgh sang somewhat in this wise the epic of the hunting he had never done alone among the pines dead o winter only one shell in his rifle cold of winter snow deep snow snowshoes hiking along regular mushing packing grub to the lumber camp way up near the canadian border cold terrible cold stars looked like little bits of steel mr wren thought he remembered the story he had read it in a magazine morton was continuing snow stretched out among the pines he was wearing a mackinaw and shoe-packs saw a bear loping along he had morton had a forty-four forty marlin but only one shell thrust the muzzle of his rifle right into the bear's mouth scared for a minute almost fell off his snowshoes hardest thing he ever did to pull that trigger fired bear sort of jumped at him then rolled over clawing great place those minnesota big what's a shoe-pack the englishman stolidly interjected kind of a moccasin great place those woods hope your brother gets the chance to get up there i say i wonder did you ever meet him scrabble is his name jock scrabble 
Jock Scrabble. No, but say, by golly, there was a fellow up in the big woods that came from St. Cl Cloud? Yes, that was it. He was telling us about the town. I remember he said your brother had great chances there. The Englishman meditatively accepted a bad cigar from Mr. Wren. Suddenly, you chaps can sleep in the stable loft if you'd like, but you must blooming well stop smoking. So in the dark odorous haymow, Mr. Wren stretched out his legs with an affectionate good night to Morton. He slept nine hours. When he awoke at the sound of a chain clanking in the stable below, Morton was gone. This note was pinned to his sleeve. Dear old man, I still feel sure that you will not enjoy the hiking. Bumming is not much fun for most people, I don't think, even if they say it is. I do not want to live on you. I always did hate to graft on people. So I am going to beat it off alone. But I hope I will see you in N.Y., and we will enjoy many a good laugh together over our trip. If you will phone the P.R.R., you will find out when I get back, and so on. As I do not know what your address will be, please look me up, and I hope you will have a good trip. Yours truly, Harry P. Morton. Mr. Wren lay listening to the unfriendly rattling of the chain harness below for a long time. When he crawled languidly down from the hayloft, he glowered in a manner which was decidedly surly even for Bill Wren at a middle-aged English stranger who was stooping over a cow's hoof in a stall facing the ladder. "'What you doing here?' asked the Englishman, raising his head and regarding Mr. Wren as a housewife does a cockroach in the salad bowl. Mr. Wren was bored. This seemed a very poor sort of man, a bloated cockney with a dirty neckcloth, vile cuffs of grayish black, and a waistcoat cut foolishly high. "'The owner said I could sleep here,' he snapped. "'Ow, he did, did he? He ain't been giving you any of the perishing osses, too, has he?' It was sturdy old Bill Wren who snarled, "'Oh, shut up!' Bill didn't feel like standing much just then. He'd punch this fellow as he'd punched Pete, as soon as not, or even sooner." ow it's shut up is it i've arf a mind to set the tecks on you and i'm light i'll just hit you on the bloody nose bill wren stepped off the ladder and squared at him he was sorry that the cockney was smaller than pete the cockney came over fainted in an absent-minded manner made swift and confusing circles with his left hand and hit bill wren on the aforesaid bloody nose which immediately became a bleeding nose Bill Wren felt dizzy, and, sitting on a grain sack, listened amazedly to the Cockney's apologetic. "'I'm sorry I ain't got time to have the law on you, but I could spare time to hit you again.' Bill shook the blood from his nose and staggered at the Cockney, who seized his collar, set him down outside the stable with a jarring bump, and walked away whistling. "'Come, all come to our Sunday school every Sunday morning.' "'Gee!' mourned Mr. William Wren and i thought i was getting this hobo business down pat gee i wonder if pete was so hard to lick end of chapter five read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com